Welcome to the Self Love Breakfast Club, where we have honest conversations about health, wellness, and of course, self love with amazing women who aren't afraid to give it to us straight. Real life, real advice, and no BS. I'm your host, Crystal Rose, and today I'm serving self love for breakfast. Hey there, friend, and welcome back to the Self Love Breakfast Club. I'm so happy you are here with me today. I have an incredible guest. I cannot wait to introduce you to her. You guys are going to be obsessed. She's amazing. Before I get to that, like, how are we in September already, you guys? Like, this year has gone by so slow, but so fast at the same time. It has been a tumultuous year for so many of us. It's had its ups, it's had its downs, a lot of downs. There's a lot of real scary shit going on right now. It is, it is wild. We are in a wild, wild time. I have been doing this coaching certification. It is a 10 month, 400 hours program. And I've got a couple months left. I am eight months in my healing and just the work that I've done has been incredible. I'm so grateful for it. It has probably saved me this year, to be honest. If I didn't have this, I'm not sure where I'd be right now. And I am in the process of taking on practice clients. So it has been incredible and so cool and so scary and so different to just get in these one-on-one sessions and work with people. And I'm just in this kind of scary, but also really exciting time in this process where I'm shedding, you know, I'm I'm shedding some older identities from my past. I'm no longer going to be doing that one-on-one nutrition coaching. And instead I'm doing a one-on-one, just like this deeper level to help people at the root of their issues. So I'm not 100% sure what it's going to look like after I graduate, but it's just really exciting to be on this path and you know in the same in the same light i'm growing my nutrition side but more on like a hybrid kind of group team coaching level and that feels really good too so there's a lot going on over here you guys <laughs> there is a lot it's awesome and i'm just really excited so i do have a free workshop coming up this sunday the 20th at 4:30 p.m. est and it is basically kind of like a dip in the pool of the work that I'm doing. It's kind of just like, you know, we're going over some concepts and some tools and just inviting people to take a peek behind the curtain of what I've been working on. It is completely free. It is a requirement to graduate. So I am doing it. I am doing it as big as I can just to include as many people as possible. And if you want in on this, if you're curious you can show up at crystalrose.com slash healing, go there, click on the link. There's a button and it'll take you to my Eventbrite where you can register for it. It's free, but just so that way you get all of the information and you get the link and all of that. So you can show up to the workshop. Come one, come all. It doesn't matter if you're struggling with anything. It doesn't matter if it's, if you have, you know, nutrition stuff that you want to work on or internal stuff or extra, it doesn't matter. Male, female, whatever, just come, 
come. It'll be a good time. So yeah, we're going to go ahead and get right into our guest. I don't have much else to talk to you guys about. So today I have Allie Bonner who, oh my God, you guys, she is so cool. And not, not only is she super cool, but she has an amazing business with a delicious tasting product. She's the CEO and founder of Queen, K-W-E-E-N. And their flagship product is granola butter. It's the world's first ever spreadable granola. You guys, I have like four tubs of this. <laughs> And I've actually, I killed, I've killed a tub and I'm almost through my second one, but yeah, it is incredible. It is so unbelievably delicious. So I, I realized I had to have Allie on the podcast cause I was like this woman, we got to talk to her. And, you know, she struggled with an eating disorder for over a decade. She ended up launching her Instagram account, which is Avo queen to document like her recovery journey and help other people feel less alone, which you guys know I am all about helping people feel less alone. She has this fiercely loyal, incredible following of over 55,000, just brimming with body love and food freedom. She's passionate about being radically vulnerable and empowering women to step into their most authentic selves. I hope you guys love her as much as I do. I know I say that about everyone. <laughs> But seriously, after just my chat with Allie, I just felt like I knew her and like we were best friends. So get all up in this episode and then get on Instagram, DM me and tell me what you think. You guys know I love hearing from you, whether that's on my personal account, Rose X-T-A-L-R-O-S-E, or we do have an Instagram now for the self-love breakfast club. It is teeny tiny, but really I just want it as kind of like a a directory for the podcast. So that way, you know, what episode you are on. So without any more babbling from me, here is Allie. I am so excited to have Allie on the show. I hope you guys love her too. And Allie, welcome, welcome, welcome to the self love breakfast club. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I am so excited. So excited to have you here. So (laughs) we like to start things out with something that we call goals, gratitude, and badassery. So first, just give us like a little brief snapshot of what your goals are right now. So my goals are to close our first round of funding. I mentioned this before we were recording, but we have been totally bootstrapped to date, which has been crazy. (laughs) We can get into it, (laughs) but definitely, I mean, the food industry is so expensive. And so we just launched into a couple extra whole foods region. So just getting some, you know, outside capital to support that, but it's my first time raising money. And so it's been, you know, especially as a female founder Mm. with predominantly all white male investors or potential investors, it's been super interesting. Also happy to talk about that, but yeah, yeah, my goal is to close this round. And so I can, you know, get back and focus on the business because it takes up so much time. (laughs) Awesome. I love that. I definitely, we're going to, we're going to dig into that in a minute. And then gratitude is what are you grateful for right now? Oh, so much. I've kind of thought gratitude, like having a gratitude practice was a little like woo woo cliche, you know, all the things. And it really is so wild. You know, I'm not the type of person that like writes things down every day, but just 
like reminding myself of certain things. I think it's so easy for us to really accept, I mean, especially myself to focus on like everything that's going wrong in, Mm. in our lives and like really just focusing on a couple things that, yeah, I'm really grateful for has kind of been a huge game changer for me just mentally. So right now I'm super grateful that my business is growing. I'm grateful having girlfriends that actually support me in my entrepreneurial journey. And they're not like, you know, you missed wine night the other night again, or, you know, whatever. <laughs> they know that I'm a little MIA, but it's okay. And then I'm grateful for my dog Squishy. He's so cute. And he just brings me so much joy, even wow. though he's been peeing on my bed a little, a little too frequently these days. I'm like, come on, Squish. Oh no, no. Yeah. I actually have a dog with incontinence. So she, oh no, like not even two. She's like one. Oh my gosh. Like what? We call her grandma pee pee pants. That's her, that's her nickname. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you know, I, diapers I, for her? No, no, no. Like we, we yeah. put her on and off medication, but yeah, like I told, so I feel the peeing in the bed thing and it's just like, oh, oh I know. Well, he does it. It's like a, an anger pee. Like when we leave oh. him home alone all day, then he like, it's like a revenge pee mm. pretty much. Yeah. yeah. It's like, so, how dare you? I know. <laughs> And then badassery. So badassery is basically like something you've done recently that you think is pretty badass or something that you're really proud of. Oh, let's see. Wow. See, it's so out of my comfort zone to like brag about myself, which is, this is a good question. I think like, you know, women, we're not so good at that. We're on track to do over a million dollars in sales this year. And I'm really proud of us for that because we work super fucking hard and the food industry is not easy. Yeah. So that is what I'm proud of. (laughs) That's amazing. Like that's, yeah, you should definitely be proud of that. Yeah. It's so hard for women. We're just like, I don't want to brag. And it's like a man will stand up there and be like, I'm incredible about like the most basic thing, you know, and we're like a million dollars. I mean, it's okay. It's not as much as other people. (laughs) I know. I feel myself. I'm like, but I'm also not paying myself yet. Don't think I'm rolling in the dough. Like all these justifications, you know, justifications, (laughs) like just own it. Yeah. Just bring and own it. Celebrate it. That's amazing. I mean, Incredible. So yeah, let's talk about, I mean, let's talk about that, that money situation now, because I think one of the things that I yell about is how last year it was a 2% of the $98 billion in capital funding went to women, 2% and less than half a percent went to women of color. Mm. And that makes me want to scream really. And of course there are, you know, I mean, there are the women who are perfectly happy having like a small service-based business where they're obviously not going to need the funding, but that's there's a huge gap <laughs> between whatever that percentage is totally. and only 2% of the funding going to women. So it's a personal kind of thing for me to want to grow so big so I can hopefully turn around and be sitting on that side of the table but for you, you're sitting on the side of the table and you have your hand out and you're asking for money. And I love that. So like, can you like just share a little bit of like what that's been like for you? Yeah, totally. I mean, wow. I didn't even know that was the stat and like, (laughs) I was expecting it to be low, but not that low. So that's wild. I mean, I think it's especially, I've noticed a huge discrepancy in the wellness industry. You know, obviously our consumer is mostly, I would say like 95%, even higher women Mm -hmm. of people who buy our product. You know, the consumer is a woman and as a female founder, I feel like I know exactly, you know, how like their pain points, like 
basically filling a need, you know, I created my product to fill a need for myself. And so, um, (laughs) (laughs) and I guess kind of, yeah. And I guess touching a little on my story. So the reason I created granola butter came out of my eating disorder recovery journey, struggle with food in my body for, I say since the womb, but it's been, Mm -hmm. you know, over a decade and really in my recovery started to add in a lot of foods back into my diet that I had restricted heavily for years. So nuts and nut butters being one of them. And, you know, just my gut was a wreck from restricting and binging and all that. And so trying to add in almond butter and peanut butter just couldn't handle like the density of the nuts. And so created granola butter out of just, you know, lack of really delicious nut-free options on the market. There was like sunflower seed butter, which is like total trash. I don't know if anyone tried it. Cookie butter, delicious, but you know, left me feeling like trash. (laughs) So I was like, okay, why has no one done an oat-based spread? Right. And so created this product and it's just so interesting in investor, you know, potential investor meetings, talking to them and sharing about my eating disorder recovery and, you know, all of these body image issues, stuff that most women would relate to. And I think, you know, there are a lot of men that struggle with body image issues, but the majority it's women. And so these, you know, old white male investors are just kind of glazing over as I'm telling my story and they're like, Mm. okay, but let's dive into the numbers. And it's just, It's kind of this weird disconnect where, of course, it's a business, right? Numbers are super important. And I am fully aware of that. But at the same time, you know, the reason that people, if they see two products on the shelf and, you know, they really don't have any relationship with either, you know, I think most millennials these days will go and look up the brand on Instagram and kind of, it's like immediately, like people want to feel like they're buying from someone and not just this like faceless organization. So we're really proud of the fact that, yeah, we've cultivated just an awesome community, you know, with my podcast and my Instagram, just sharing my story. And so it, it is, I think that's been the biggest challenge is just conveying that to, yeah, just a bunch of men that probably have never struggled you know, with body image issues or, you know, things that a lot of women go through on the daily. Yes. I have like done some deep diving into that, into that world, not because it's something that I specifically, like, I'm not going to be seeking out funding like anytime soon, but it just really interests me in, in the terms of like women empowerment and a woman in business and just like knowing kind of like the lay of the land. And yeah, I think, you know, you kind of have to prove yourself a little bit more as a woman. It can't just be like, and especially when they can't relate. Yeah, that's what's been wild. So Eric is my partner. We've been together for about seven years Mm -hmm. and he's also my co-founder. And it's really fascinating being in meetings and noticing, you know, sort of the little micro things that happen. Like the investor will direct all of the questions to Eric, you know, even if it's in my, yeah, like in my realm, you know, of marketing and create and like, you know, creative and social media. So that's, I've been interesting. I've been noticing that, but also just, you know, I think, it's forced me to sort of take on this more masculine energy role. energy. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, you know, when I'm talking to them, it's just, I, t- I feel when I come home at the end of the day, I'm super wiped mm-hmm. and I just feel very like ramped up, you know, and it's, I mean, that's a whole nother conversation, which we can dive into, but it's like working with your significant other. And mm-hmm. just, I notice I have a really difficult time transitioning into more of like, a chill, like my feminine energy. Again, not to get so woo woo, but like it I'm really all about is. The so yeah. Okay. Um, I'm like a new woo woo convert. Convert. Yeah. And so it's like I come home and I'm still so ramped up and you know talking about numbers and like yeah. business things and just so masculine, like testosterone every you know all day long. And so things that have been really helpful for me is like you know beach walks in the morning, like kind of. 
I recently invested in a sauna, which is so extra, but like yeah, I know. I'm like, Oh my God. It it was just, it was bound to happen. Like, you know, we all have a big random quarantine, I feel like purchase and I'm like, Oh God. But I was, you know, it's not for everyone. That's just want to say that is very much a luxury, but with my like autoimmune stuff, it has been a game changer. But yeah, like sitting in the sauna, you know, stretching, just things that kind of get me back to that feminine energy and staying in balance. Cause I think a lot of female founders or, you know, even if you haven't started a business yet and you're just, you know, really high powered in your career, it's like, you feel like you have to prove yourself. You feel like you mm-hmm. have to put off this, this front, right. Of like, yeah, just this really powerful energy that I think men don't really have to think about. Right. I'm actually in the midst of a a certification program that like takes a lot. It's all about energetics. And we were recently discussing the masculine and the feminine energy and there's, you know, the healthy version and then there's a distortion. And a lot of women, if they have that, that distortion in the masculine energy, it turns into hustling for your worth it turns into like, I don't need any help. You know, I can do this on my own sort of thing. So that's kind of like the distortion of it. And then the healthy, you know, it's more of that standing your ground, that discernment, you know, that, that real kind of healthy (laughs) embodiment. And so, but it does, if that's not your natural kind of place, it definitely is going to, it's going to take a lot out of you. So that's wonderful that you notice that and you realize that and you're balancing out with the feminine. Totally. I Love think that's it. such a good point. Yeah. I mean, cause I naturally am like, you know, I hate this term people pleaser, but I really mm-hmm. growing up, I mean, I was like such a sort of like, you know, wimpy, like mm-hmm. we'll, you know, kind of go with the flow with whatever people around me were, you know, doing and it just didn't serve me. And like, I feel like I reached a point a couple years ago, even before starting my business where I was like, and Eric actually noticed it too. He's like, wow, you've really like grown into, yeah, into yourself and just, you know, like you make a decision and you're not really afraid of like what people think where a lot of, yeah, before a lot of it was like, I care so much about what other people think of me and it's just exhausting. And it's like Mm -hmm. getting to this place, obviously where you're not intentionally like offending anyone, but like, (laughs) you know, just doing you. And like, if people don't like, you're never going to please anyone. And that was like the biggest learning lesson, especially with starting my business that I learned is like, you know, the people who are, your people will, you know, you'll kind of draw them in, but you can't try and please everyone. And if you do, then that's also like a really boring, you know, then you probably have a boring like product or or brand. Yeah. You can't be for everyone. I mean, you cannot, (laughs) or you will, one, you're going to spend a bazillion dollars trying to market to everyone or please everyone. And it's just, you'll lose everything focus wise in your business for sure. And no one probably lose customers because people are like, I don't know who this person is or what they stand for. But it sounds like you really healed that part of you yourself because, you know, people pleasing is a coping mechanism. It's just really there to protect you, keep you safe and keep that negative stuff away from you. So somewhere in that process, you, you healed that part of you that felt like you needed that coping mechanism. That's really beautiful. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was a process for sure. (laughs) Lots of therapy, you know, lots of inner work, but no, it's been, yeah, it's been great. And I remember my mom, like, cause growing up, if anyone follows me on Instagram, you know, my mom is like life of the party, like, Mm -hmm. you know, taking shots with my friends, like literally the most (laughs) fun human. Like she's more of like a friend than a mom, which, you know, has its own set of issues. But she growing up, like she was always such a people pleaser. Right. And I remember she hit when she turned 50, my dad and I, she was like, I'm not stuffing it anymore. And my dad and I were like kind of rolling our eyes and it was like real. Like when she turned 50, she all of a sudden just kind of stepped into her power. And so I saw that and how, you know, 
happy she was. And it was really cool to see. But also I was like, I don't think I need to wait until I'm 50 (laughs) to to make a change, you know? And so, yeah, I just kind of, you know, of course, still a work in progress. Let's talk about this granola butter because I ordered some, I have the blueberry and the chocolate. I took a bite of the blueberry and I was like, shut up. Like, (laughs) I never obviously would have thought of like making granola in like a spreadable form. Like, what even is that? And it tastes like granola. Like you're eating a bowl of granola, but in a spread. And it was, I I think I tagged you guys and was like, this is sorcery. (laughs) What is this? So like how, I, I know you explained a little bit about how you got there, but I mean, granola? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) No, totally. I know. It's such a weird concept. You know, pre-COVID when we were doing Whole Foods demos, just seeing people's reactions and like the wheels kind of turning, right? Because they would see the name and I could see them kind of whispering to themselves like granola butter. And then, you know, they would kind of, I'm like, do you want to come try some? And they like very nervously would kind of come (laughs) over and like, try a little bit and I could just see. And then all of a sudden they were like, it just clicked. Oh my God, this is so good. So the way I describe it to people is think like the texture of an almond butter. So kind of Mm -hmm. that, you know, nut butter consistency, not like a sticky nut butter, but more so like a more just like silky smooth nut butter. And we actually just got some new machinery that, you know, in a couple months, our product will be even smoother and finer, which we're super excited about. It's like the same equipment that Jif and Skippy use. And yeah, it was super expensive, (laughs) Um, but it'll be worth it. Yeah. So texture of a nut butter, but then the taste of, I say like our original flavor is like cinnamon Teddy grams, if anyone Mm -hmm. remembers those. So kind of like graham cracker, warming spices kind of vibe. But yeah, it's, it's a very unique idea. And so I think that's been, I think one of our biggest challenges actually is that customer education. But I mean, the cool part is just Instagram and influencers, like they're so awesome for helping you educate, Mm -hmm. you know, as a brand, like no one wants to listen to what we have to say, but if I send, you know, granola butter to you and you're like raving about it, right? Like it's just so much more effective. So that's been really cool, but really the biggest you know, use case. We didn't want to just create a spread just to like create something new. So, you know, our biggest value prop is we're allergen free. So all the top 14 allergens that people are typically allergic to, we're free of those. And then a lot of the schools now are nut free. So parents were, you know, scrambling for an option. Kids hated the taste of sun butter. There really wasn't anything else out there. There was like soy nut butter. Everything was garbage. And so, you know, parents were just looking for something because I grew up eating PB&Js. You know, my mom just slapped some peanut butter (laughs) between some bread and shoved me out the door. And so parents like, you know, they don't have time to, you know, I mean, this was also pre-COVID, but like they don't have time to whip up this fancy, you know, turkey sandwich or something. And so that's been a huge game changer for that whole, you know, the school circuit as well. I grew up in the Northeast, so we did peanut butter and fluff. I don't know oh, if you've heard of fluff. Um, yeah. But it's so funny now when I'm like seeing people discover fluff for the first time. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like I <laughs> lived on that shit. Growing yeah. up, and it was like a sugar sandwich. I can't believe our parents just like totally. the sugar sandwich and sent us home to school. Yeah. So I just like can't believe our parents were like, this is, this is fine. <laughs> yeah, I know. I think back, I mean, my mom's a dentist too. And like think, looking back at all the shit that, you know, we, used to eat. It was like, yeah. I remember my breakfast was like Eggo waffles, two Eggo waffles. And my dad would make me like a sandwich in a Ziploc bag. So he would do Eggo waffles, butter, fake ass maple syrup. It wasn't even real maple syrup. It was like <laughs> Aunt Jemima's or whatever, like corn syrup, and then slap them together and put them in a Ziploc bag. And I would just eat it in the car on the way to school. And like, so bad, right? <laughs> I mean, so delicious, but like, no wonder I was like hyper. <laughs> 
my parents were like no chocolate for breakfast or something so like pop tarts were like like the chocolate pop tarts and the s'more pop tarts were like off limits and it made me really sad but then we would have like you know like strawberry pop tarts you know like yeah yeah it's like come on come on I know (laughs) but then on the flip side I see like just I mean because at these whole foods demos like I had so much time you know you're there for four hours and it's like it's very intriguing I feel like you could do a whole Netflix docuseries on like demoing at a grocery store but totally great people watching but like just seeing some of these moms who are just so overly obsessive about what their kids are eating I don't think that's very healthy either and like it'll be really interesting to see eating disorder rates in like 20 years of these kids because I mean I just remember overhearing a call like eavesdropping on a conversation and the mom was like the, the little girl was asking if she could get it was like the Waterloo's like sparkling water. And the mm. mom was just like, no, like she wasn't even letting her get sparkling water because of the natural flavors or something. And I was like, home girl, if you even knew what I was eating growing up, like, I just think there's also this, like, you know, the more you restrict kids from stuff, they're going to just binge when they go to a friend's house or something. Well, yeah. And that's, I mean, and that's, you see that with women all the time, you know, you see like, I can't have this and I'm cutting out sugar and 75 day hard. And like this whole, like, I got to cut this out so I can get here. And it's so unhealthy to like restrict anything. I mean, that's what I feel. I think it's like, obviously, you know, obviously we don't want to be just shoving down like horribly unhealthy food, but it's like, there has to be some sort of like a balance for people to just like live their lives. One of the things I just like love about you that when I found you is how open you are about, you know, your journey. I know that you mentioned you had an eating disorder and like body image. And I just feel like so many women just need other women who have struggled to just be so open about it and about, you know, where they were, where they are now. And I love that about you. I think that that is just incredible. So will you, do you mind sharing a little bit about like your story and how you, you know, have gotten to where you are now? Totally. Yeah. No, thank you so much. I mean, I think really the biggest thing that I want to provide for people is something that I didn't have, which was just feeling not alone. Right. And Mm -hmm. I'm obviously, you know, I'm not this all healer that's going to just magically heal everyone's, you know, relationships with food, but I want to at least show people that they're not alone because that was probably the worst part of having any mm-hmm. sort of issues with food in your body is just feeling like you're the only one going through it because it's really isolating. You yeah. know, it's one of those things that you don't want to talk about. You know, it's obviously very sort of taboo to talk about. So I was really searching for, you know, that almost like that mentor in in a sense. And so, yeah, I guess a quick backstory, you know, as I mentioned, struggled with food since an early age and kind of pinpointing it back to, you know, never was anything that someone said to me. I know some people, you know, have like a parent try and take them to Weight Watchers or something, which is wild. But mine was really just, I think, being a byproduct of being raised in this fat phobic, you know, thin obsessed society. And, and also just being, you know, a woman is really, really tough, you know, mm-hmm. reading magazines and watching TV when I was growing up, just seeing people that didn't like models who didn't look like me and just seeing them being kind of put on this pedestal. And so, you know, automatically you know, connecting the dots of, okay, well, I guess if I look like that, then I will be successful and famous and, you know, mm. loved. Right. So it was kind of this like finding worth in my appearance and, 
you know, growing up, I played volleyball, was super active. And I also was surrounded by, you know, a lot of women who were super tall, right? So I was a libero, which if you don't know, is like the shortest position on the volleyball team. And all my friends were like 5'11", six foot. And they, you know, were 15, 16 years old. So they had shot up overnight. So kind of these long, lanky, you know, lots of thigh gaps in my face. (laughs) And I was like, why don't I have a thigh gap? And so kind of went down this rabbit hole of just, you know, I was in middle school, high school. And I was like, how do I lose weight? Right. So like the internet was like the first place I went. Cause where else do you go when you're like a middle schooler trying to lose weight and just the most horrific advice, you know, that's like basically like anorexia thinspo accounts, right. That I was learning from and thinking it's like, okay, I guess I have to eat half an apple a day to, you know, be skinny. And it's like, I remember being, you know, feeling faint in high school and all this stuff. So terrible. And long story short, ended up going to college up in the Bay Area. I was studying nutrition and studying nutrition for the wrong reasons, right? Like I was, you know, thinking the more that I learned about nutrition, maybe I would unlock this secret to losing weight and kind of like conquering and mastering Mm -hmm. my body, which was a huge lie and also just went into it for completely the wrong reasons. And I remember the first project they had us do in my, you know, intro to nutrition class was like a a daily food recall. So it was like, you know, write down everything you're eating in a day and then we'll kind of analyze the calories, like macros, everything like that. And, you know, as a nutrition student, like I understand why that's curriculum. You're learning about ingredients or, you know, macros and stuff like that. But as someone who had really terrible underlying, you know, relationship with food, it was incredibly triggering. And it was the first time that I really looked at calories. So up until then I was more so like, Oh, I'll cut out carbs. Like I was cutting, I was like cutting food groups sort of, or I'll be vegan, whatever. And then I was like really introduced to this world of calories. And that was like where I really spiraled down because, you know, I, just became number obsessed basically. And so I'm like binge drinking and then the next day, you know, restricting. And it was just a really negative thing. I was using Adderall to suppress my appetite, cocaine, diet pills. I was, you know, just everything that you could do, I was doing. And I think the hardest part about it all is really on the outside, like having that appearance of like everything is okay. And also as a nutrition student, you know, it's such a hard thing to discern whether or not it was, you know, oh, she's just the, like all my friends were like, Ali's just the healthy one. Like she just eats salads all the time because she's a nutrition student. And, you know, meanwhile, I'm like eating a salad in front of them and then eating out of the trash later when I was, you know, came home from the bars or whatever, like binge eating everything yeah. I could get my hands on. So living this double life, super exhausting, <laughs> you know, just taking up so much headspace. And so long story short, this continued through college. And then I moved to San Francisco to work in tech. And I just had this kind of rock bottom moment where, you know, I think a lot of times people think of rock bottom as like, yeah, you're trying to make yourself throw up and it's like this dramatic thing. But for me, it was actually just an accumulation of so many little things that I finally snapped. And I was like, I was at dinner with my girlfriends. I remember, you know, they were my friends from abroad. I hadn't seen them in a while. We were at this super cute restaurant in San Francisco. And I was so excited to just have a meal with them, connect, you know, all the normal things that people do when they got to eat. And we sit down and just the whole meal, all I can think about is, okay, like I'm scanning the menu, you know, what's the healthiest thing I can order? And I ended up like, I wanted the tacos so bad, right? And like, I ordered the kale salad. And then, you know, as I'm eating the kale salad, the whole time I'm thinking, damn, I really wish I got the tacos. And like, 
looking at how much they're eating, looking at how much I'm eating. And just by the end of the meal, realizing I literally didn't remember a single thing we talked about. I got home. I was so upset with myself because all I was thinking about was food. Yeah. And I wasn't in the moment. I wasn't connecting with my friends. And so it was just this moment where I was like, I'm in my 20s. I'm watching my life pass me by. And, you know, what do I have to show for it? Right? Like, I was the same weight because I was restricting and binging. So I was like, I don't even look any different. <laughs> you know, like, and I just remember thinking, like, at least, you know, if I was skinny, like, it'd be worth it. Right. And I just, like, yeah. And so I was like, this needs to stop. Like, I need my headspace back. I need, you know, to focus on other things. Like life is so much worth living. And so I ended up seeing a nutritional therapist who I swear by today. She's incredible. Mm -hmm. And she really helped shift my mindset around food from this place of, you know, quantity. So like, you know, really macros, calories, grams mm -hmm. to qualitative. So, you know, nourishing your body, like you know, what foods are you, what make, what foods make your body feel good? What do you enjoy eating? What tastes good to you? Like all of these things. And then really addressing my emotional eating and my binge eating and all of that. My eat my, you know, nighttime eating, eating in secret. I had so many things to work through. And so yeah. as you know, it's definitely a process, but I really am proud to say that, you know, where I am today with food is the healthiest I've ever been. And I just want, you know, if anyone's listening to this and can relate in any way, just like just know that I was in such a deep, dark hole and I thought I could never get out. And like, if I can get out, you can get out. Trust me, it is so possible. And recovery is so worth it. Like just the headspace. I mean, I would not have been able to start my business if I was still thinking about food mm -hmm. and just like the presence, like being able to be present with my friends at dinner and really enjoying the conversation and, you know, their company rather than thinking about what I'm eating and all that is just so incredible. So very long-winded, <laughs> all that to say, yeah, I've been through it all. And like, it's just recovery is so worth it times a thousand. Oh. I, could, I wish I could tattoo that on my body. <laughs> Allie, I have like goosebumps right now, like for real, like oh, so good. <laughs> like that's so good. So incredible to like have that moment and to be like, like it's a full-time job, you know, <laughs> like that totally. obsession is a full-time job and it's exhausting. Like it is. And something I talked about recently, which I think I haven't seen a lot of other people talk about is just that, you know, in recovery, like it's not this linear thing. It's right. not like I'm healed and now moving on, I will never think about my body or food again. You know, I'm human and like I still get triggered. So I posted about the other day, I saw, you know, it's like those fucking like Facebook memories or Snapchat memories where it like shows you old pictures of yourself from like years ago. Yeah. And it always shows me pictures from when I was like really struggling and like at my thinnest. Right. And so I'm like, God damn it. Like, <laughs> and it's so triggering for me to see that because I'm like, you know, I want to look that way. I want to be, you know, at that weight, I want to be thinner mm -hmm. and those feelings don't escape me, but now I have the tools to, to handle them and not really, you know, spiral down and like follow that and know that it's just an old habit and an old thought pattern that's sort of reemerging, but also remembering like the hell that I put myself through mm -hmm. to look that way. And I think a picture, that's why it's so important never to comment on, you know, other people's appearance or weight loss, because like, you don't know the full story. Like you don't know what they did to look that way. You don't know if they're going through chemotherapy or struggling with a disease, like so if they're depressed, like so many things. Right. So keeping that in mind has been really helpful, but yeah, I'm, I'm human. Like I still struggle and have triggers and all of those things. 
I think that's so important to point out. Like I try to talk about that all the time, like with my new client, with my clients, like on my Instagram, just like that progress is not linear. And whether that be, you know, if you're on a weight loss journey and, Oh no, I went on vacation or I, you know, the, a season of life that you were more concerned about joy and, and life and, and then worrying about every bite you put in your mouth. And there is such an ebb and flow to healing to business to life to your body and it's just like you're not going to have this like smooth progression and i think when people you know have that ebb they are thinking like how am i here again how am i here i thought we were past this i thought we mm-hmm. were over this and that's just not how it is there it's just like grief you know like if someone if you lose someone you love 20, 30 years from now, you could have a moment that puts you right back. And and that's because our bodies remember. Mm-hmm. It's not just our mind. Our mind might be like, nope, over it, you know, but our bodies hold all of that. And whether or not we're healing or in process, we can return just as quickly. And we have to understand that it's okay. And we just have to be patient with ourselves and have a little bit of grace. And I mean, I really do so hard, you know, seeing these pictures or even just, you know, being in that space where I was just getting healthy. I was just starting to do the correct and right things instead of the friggin' shit show HCG diet crash (laughs) fast pills, you know, any quick fix I could find. And it was like that one last thing where I was like, okay, I know I'm getting into fitness and I'm, and I'm figuring out, you know, food and I'm building a better relationship, but like, before I do that, maybe I'll just like to put myself ahead. Mm. And I got cool sculpting and I have been very, very open about it, that it ruined my body. Like it, it genuinely fucked me up. <laughs> like really? Yeah. And, and I had to go through that process of forgiving myself and loving my body, despite the fact that I, you know, physically damaged it obviously damaged it, you know, and having to go through all that while I was just getting over the fuckery that I had been through in my, in my entire twenties. So like it is, it is hard to have gone through all of that. But when you get to come through the other side and like we said, all of our moments, you know, to share that with other people, to be like, look, (laughs) I've been there. (laughs) Totally. And I mean, I think that's, Yeah. I think that's so important that you share that because especially on social media, it's so easy, you know, to share things that happened in the past. Mm -hmm. And that's what I am still struggling with is, you know, really sharing, like putting, I say like putting the Insta back in Instagram, like what am I struggling with in this moment? You know, Mm -hmm. it's so easy for me to be like, Oh, I used to struggle with food because it creates this like disconnect and this buffer, but it's so hard to be like, I just binged on half a jar of peanut butter last night, you know? And like, just kind of really sharing with people in the moment what I'm struggling with has been, you know, a lot more impactful. Cause I think even Mm -hmm. when I see other people, you know, sharing about what they used to struggle with, it kind of just feels like, well, you know, they're on the other side and it just, I can't relate as much rather than if Mm -hmm. I see someone being like, yo, this is why I'm, I'm in it right now. I don't have the answers, but like, here's what's going on. This is like the real, real. (laughs) So I've been trying to do that, but it's hard. Yeah. It's hard when you're going through it too, I think to be able to have that perspective and being able to zoom out and really see what's going on too. Yeah. Cause even when you, you know, you see people that are like, I need to get through this so I can inspire people. And it's like, no, you're always going to be a couple of steps ahead of someone where you can like reach back and hold out your hand and help them. Like 
that's a big part of it. And I definitely, you know, I used to do the whole, I used to be blah, 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 like for sure, because it felt better to me to be able to process something on my own and then package it up and then share it. And, you know, it does help some people in that respect, but to really be present and to share. And that's why we have like a mini series on this podcast called Self Love Sunday. I write an email every week about like what I am going through. And some weeks I'm like, (laughs) you know, like, oh God, I don't want to talk about this. And then I I record it for the podcast. So just to keep that like real fresh, like in the moment, like I am going through this right now and I'm sharing this with you in case this speaks to you because it's, it's what I'm going through and it is so important. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And that vulnerability hangover is always so real. So that's like, I feel you on that, but it's wild. Like every time I share something where I'm a little sweaty and I'm like, I don't know if I should share this. That's always the thing that people are like, I'm so glad you shared this. Like that helped me so much. And I was like, okay, okay. Like I have to kind of remind myself like this is helping people, but it's scary. I think people think content creators and, you know, people who are very transparent on the internet, it comes easily to them. It doesn't like, I still get very uncomfortable, very sweaty. You know, it's hard, like going to family reunions and all my aunts and uncles are like, Oh, I read about your eating disorder (laughs) on your Instagram. And I'm like, well, okay, thank you. It's awkward. I'm going to go drink myself to oblivion now. (laughs) You know, like it's just, it's not comfortable for anyone, but I know that it's helping people. And like, that's what keeps me going. I feel that. I feel that so hard. Yeah. It's like press share and then be like, ah, throw the phone. (laughs) (laughs) Bye. Yeah. I love that. You're amazing. I, I love, I love your just like energy. I love your demeanor. I love everything that you're doing. I love your granola butter. I (laughs) keep shoveling. I have not shared any of my husband. I literally gave him the tiniest bite when it came in. And I was like, I just want you to have a taste of what you're not allowed to have. (laughs) Yeah. I just want you to have a taste of what's going to be mine and not yours. <laughs> not allowed to. I have a snack shelf and he's not allowed to. He's not Amazing. allowed to hear it. That's, that's, uh, that's what we do in my house. But, yeah. Uh, <laughs> we get lots of messages actually from, yeah, from women that are like, do you have a padlock or like a, a husband proof lid that I can use? I'm like, <laughs> maybe that's my next product. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He, he's crossed that line enough to know what happens when he does and so he just doesn't anymore. It's, So we like to close things out on a quote. So is there like a quote that you've been feeling lately or something that, you know, you just kind of like live by that you can share with us? You know, talked about my mom earlier, but kind of bringing it full circle. She is just like, so awesome. She, this isn't like a famous quote, but more just, I guess, like a state of mind. And I'll share it with like a little story because it kind of just really encapsulates everything that she stands for, which is so inspiring, but she really, I think it also comes with age. Like when you stop giving a fuck basically, Mm -hmm. but her whole thing is all they can say is no. So basically asking, like just be unreasonable, you know, be unstoppable, ask the questions that normally you would talk yourself out of asking, right? Because we all do that where we're like, oh, they're going to think I'm weird or like, I don't want to sound stupid, you know, and just ask. So her and I were at a Rolling Stones concert in Chicago. She is like the biggest Rolling Stones fan. And we literally, we are from San Diego. We flew out for one night, which is wild because it's like a four hour flight. And I think we booked tickets after a couple glasses of wine. So we're like, let's do it. And then we came down to it. We're like, this is not a weekend trip, but we fly out and we had really good seats. You know, we were like, not in the pit, but like the first couple rows behind that. And I was really stoked with our seats. And my mom is like, if she's not, you know, front row, 
Like if she's second row, she's got to be first row, you know, and she's first row. Yeah. She's got to be backstage. Like she's got to be on top of Mick Jagger. And I was like, mom, she's like, what if we just like tried to sneak into the pit? And I was like, mom, no, just like enjoy. I'm like, be happy with what you have, you know, all these things. She's like, I'm just going to go see. So then she goes down. She's like, I can't get into the pit. There's security's really tight tonight, you know? And I'm like, okay. So then she starts talking to this guy who is the lights guy, right? Like, I mean, whatever, kind of like irrelevant position, mm-hmm. I guess, like not like super high up or whatever. And she starts talking to him. I'm a dentist in San Diego. I'll trade you dental work if you get us into the pit. And I'm like <laughs> so embarrassed, right? I'm in college. So I'm just like kind of still angsty teen. I'm like, mom, what are you doing? This is insane. And I'm just like, you know, over, over here, like, I'm not like, this is not happening. And what do I know? The lights guy goes, oh my God, I'm moving to San Diego and I need a dentist. Let me go see what I can do. I'll come right back. And I'm like, this is not happening. But also this guy is just bluffing and is like trying to get away from my mom because she's crazy. And he comes back with two pit passes. We were front row. We were 10 feet away from Mick Jagger. We end up going to the after party. We were hanging out with Mick Jagger wild. Right. (laughs) And it all came back to her just asking the unreasonable and like not being afraid of what people would think of her, which I know is so much easier said than done, but it has been, I mean, in business in relationships, like that mindset and that mentality has been game changing for me because I, again, used to always think, what do people think of me? What are they going to, yeah. What are they going to think right about my question or me asking, what does that say about me? And just like throwing that shit to the side and you never know. All they can say is no. And if they say no, great. You're the same place that you would have been if you didn't ask. I love that so freaking much. And it reminds me of something I just heard Jess Ekstrom say, she was saying, you know, the aftermath of a no could be like, okay, Mm-hmm. Whatever. But the aftermath of a yes could be like life changing. Exactly. I yeah. love that. Wild. Yes. So good. All right, Ali, where can we find you? Yeah. Um, so on Instagram, I'm at AvoQueen, A V O K W E E N. And then our brand is Queen, same spelling. So queen.co. And you can find granola butter in Whole Foods, Amazon Prime, and on our website. Amazing. Thank you so much for taking the time today. I have loved having you here. (laughs) Thank you for having me. This is so fun. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Self Love Breakfast Club. If you enjoyed it, please share with your friends and tag us in your Instagram stories. See you next time.